To see examples of what we talked about on this episode, along with further information, go to bunchofdorks.com. Welcome, everyone, to... Two Dimension Podcast. The comic book podcast... With no direction. What's up, everybody? You know the song. You know my voice. It's your boy, Rook. And joining me, as always, is the man who's sitting right in front of me. It's Mr. Don Moore. Hello, everybody. Man, Don, back again in person? Yeah, back again in person. It's a rare thing, but enjoy it while you can. It's almost like we recorded two episodes at once. (laughs) But did we? (laughs) Don, what have you been reading, man? Uh, I've talked about this on, on the show before. I, this is going to be a theme on the show before. Stuff that we've talked about, we're going to talk about again. We're just going to keep hammering you guys on yeah, this stuff hammering. until you start buying the same stuff we do. <laughs> <laughs> this is a book I saw again on Facebook, Kaya. And I mentioned it before, but I want to bring it over. This one, it's a unique book. I like the art style in it. It's... It's got a loose style, it's got a design style, and even though it's not even in the slightest, it has a Kirby vibe to it, a Jack Kirby feel. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, because I noticed the name Kirby on the front here. Kirby Tribute. Yeah, it it has that. Well, it has a crackle, but she's got a... Kay is a human, and Mm -hmm. she's missing her right arm. She's got a robotic arm. It's supposed to be powered by magic. Now, this story, it's her and her brother, but your brother looks really bizarre. I was going to say, her brother's green. Yeah. Her brother looks like a goblin. Yeah, exactly. He looks like a goblin on Adventure Time. Yeah. And and they're with a bunch of lizards that ride, ride, you know, I don't know what kind of creatures they are. Yeah, they look like, they're they're lizards riding lizards. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um... The humans have been wiped out. It's I don't know what kind of world this is. It's it's a harsh world they're living in. It's tribal. It's barbaric. And she's taking care of her brother, who's supposed to be the promised one. And there's a king, king of I don't know the mutants. Yeah, there's mutants here, but there's some king that hired the mutants to wipe out the humans and they're trying to get this kid and Kay is protecting him but they're the only ones left of their their people the lizards are taking care of them the lizards are friends of the tribes and one of the lizards and and Kay have feelings for each other but I guess she's been promised or he's been promised to the princes or a prince of some other tribe so you got this love triangle thing going on but um it's, the artist and writer is one human being, uh, Wes Craig. He's done another series that I never read in the past. I've seen it. I I've kind of I know of it, even though I can't remember what it's called now. But I thought, all right, I told my comic shop he could carry it. Well, they've done. What was it? Yeah, it looks like they got quite a few issues out. Yeah, it's kind of neat. I've never seen this done before. There's a story arc of four issues. I'm saying that it doesn't finish. It's just a story arc that finishes 
after four. Then he put out another one, number five. These things come out every month. So it, this is a monthly book from Image. I think it's monthly. Um, it seems like it, or maybe it's bi-monthly. I don't. Let me find Indicia here. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the design, the look of these characters, uh, her magic arm. Uh, I, I, the first issue, uh, as I zeroed in on it, says Kirby Tribute across the front of it. And then in the back, in the back matter, you get the early design of Kaya's magic arm. The description writes, Kirby plus Robotech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a good description it's of like, it. It's like, anybody who knows that, knows Kirby and Robotech, is just going to go... Oh, I get it. Yeah, and it, then start designing. If, mean, Jack, if Jack Kirby was an impressionist manga artist, you'd have Kaya. It has kind of an impressionistic feel to it, even though. It's, see, I'm not getting manga out of this. I, I get a little bit like the old stuff from the '60s, '50s, and '60s. Okay, yeah, not the more current yeah, manga yeah. styles and stuff. You remember yeah. who you're talking to? I, yeah, I've been around. Yeah. When I say when I say manga and anime, I'm thinking. Old school. Astro Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Astro Boy. Yeah, oh yeah, very Astro Boy feel. Very Astro yeah. Boy. Now that you say that, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's not when, when anime and manga got really tall and skinny. <laughs> it's back when it was round and squat. Those first two issues seem really thick compared to the mm. third and fourth. I, this is something I really enjoy. Anyway, the fifth issue, I can't see how often this comes out, but it seems like every time I go in the shop, which isn't weekly, I've always got one. But this one, it has a story. It tells a little bit more about her. Oh, like and, her um, origin and little back matter backstory going no, on. I'm sorry, it's not the fifth issue. Nope, nope <laughs> not the fifth issue. It's no, the no. sixth issue because ah. it has the arm on it. Ah, the arm. Yep. It tells the story of how she got her arm. Oh, okay. And um, it's neat. And then um. Oh, I love that panel right there. Go back to uh, there's a panel where it shows the arm. The whole the whole page is black and gray. Oh, right here. Yeah, yeah. look at that. That is nice. the whole panel is black yeah. and gray, and then there's just like it, it's a gold arm yeah. in this guy's I'll, hand. I'll pass beautiful, this over to you. Beautiful. Just let me read this part. This is it says the in betweener. There you go. The story of Kay's arm. One piece of our mystery's been revealed, with a lot more to come in the next story arc. And he says, what you hold in your hands is a special between arcs, between Kea. I'm hoping to do these each and every storyline with some kind of, you know, with the same kind of format. First up, the main story by me with a backup story by a different killer creator each time. I think that's neat. So I guess every fifth issue or every, They're going to you know, do a different story arc, but then yeah. also do like some... Some background information about right. the characters. So the and... first story is by him. Mm-hmm. Now he did say that when he puts these in trades, these in between issues aren't going to go into trades. They so are not. They are not. Ooh. Now I'm saying that that doesn't mean like down the line he might put all the in between issues in something, but I don't know. I just thought that was kind of neat. Saying that I liked it. I didn't love it as much as I love the other issues, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of special, and I do like the story of her getting her arm. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's the beautiful artwork, great design, panel placement and everything. And he knows how to pace a story. Um, following these characters, it really, 
I'm always rooting for them, but the designs are something. The whole world is something, and it's a lot of different things. It's like it's like playing ping pong with 16 paddles and 400 different kinds of balls and four players <laughs> all doing different things. Yeah. Um, but it you never get lost with it, and like I said, it has a lot of a lot of building and a lot of feeling for the characters. Um, some of the characters act really arrogant and hostile, and then you later you find out why, and sometimes it's just a smokescreen hiding something else. Um, yeah, this this second story in issue five is very reminds me very much this panels in particular of heavy metal. Yeah, that's exactly right? what I was like, saying. Heavy is, metal. This is heavy metal right in front yeah. of me right now. Yeah. Like this character. <laughs> This character, like going through these books, if this character showed up in heavy metal, I would not be surprised. The colors yeah. too. Of course, yeah, she's got way too much clothes, way too many clothes on to show up in a heavy metal book. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That one. Um. That's the the guest the guest artist the guest artist. Yeah. yeah. But that yeah that's like totally a heavy metal vibe happening. I mean, like I'm, I'm looking at this and honestly, I'm thinking heavy metal throughout the whole thing you get to that panel and you're like whoa yeah, hello heavy, really metal. heavy metal yeah you know when heavy metal came out my best friend i was in high school i, I think i was i was 15 because we were taking driver's ed he worked at a grocery store and um this character heavy metal once again yeah yeah that's when you get to the the yeah. mutants yeah but um he was telling me what at the grocery store we got a magazine i think you'd like really yeah it says, I saw it. It's really awesome looking. It says, one cover they have a dinosaur, another cover they have a spaceship. And I said, wait, what? And what is it? And he said, I don't know. And then later he came back to me and said, uh, it's called Heavy Metal. What? That's kind of a dumb name for a book like that. That makes no sense. He goes, yeah, it's awesome. Anyway, I never was able to go to that grocery store. And then uh, about a week later he came, oh, don't buy that magazine. Why? We religious families. You know, oh yeah. And um, I've known him since I was six. We were yeah. we were friends at church. He goes, uh, you, you can't. And then I did see it, and we were at a drugstore, and they had it. We we're looking through it, and they had advertisements for Roger Dean's Views. You know that that book he did, the the album cover artist for Yes. Yeah. And I thought, what? And you can see Richard Corbin's Den. I never saw colors like that in a comic book. You know that, that slick printing and yeah, we were yeah. just like and then had all that barbarian science fiction stuff and everything you love, but then they'd have you know naughty bits all over the place and you know people banging each other, people mutilating each other. Yep. And yeah, heavy metal was a real wild thing the first time you saw it. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't care how old you are, the first time you see heavy metal, you're like. Whoa! What? Like what? Oh! Oh! Wow! Look at the, look! Oh! Blood, guts, naked chicks. Whoa! Well, and some of them, some of them really, some of the stories were fantastic, and some of them were. Oh, like, some of them were utter garbage. Yeah, they were utter oh, garbage, man. and it's like I don't know. It's like when Marvel started doing those black and white magazines in the seventies. They weren't really done for adults. They were still the same kind of stories they had in the comic books. It's just now I can I can show breasts, you yep. know. And they yeah. were, and I was saying it wasn't it wasn't gratuitous like heavy metal, but 
ooh, look at that. I mean, it'd be like a woman in water swimming and have have water lines where her, her nipples would be, stuff like that. Yeah. And the breasts would just pop up in different parts of the story for no reason, just because they could. Yeah, it, it was. You said exactly the right word, gratuitous. Yeah. You know, like, there's certain books where there's an amount of nudity where it's like, okay, you know, yep, I get it. It goes with the story. Heavy metal, like, people are walking around in heavy metal uh, storylines just buck-ass naked for <laughs> no reason. No reason. You know? <laughs> it's like, I'm in the middle of this galactic space battle and I'm flying through space and the only thing I'm wearing is a helmet. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, yeah. yeah they, I Back in those days, I finally broke down and I bought one. I yeah. hid it under my mattress. <laughs> and... My brother was considerably younger. We shared a, a room together. And tattletale, if he had any idea, he had to go report it to my parents. <laughs> so, I mean, it was dangerous. And I, it would have been massive punish. Anyway, I read this thing. And one of the stories really freaked me out. Because it wasn't done by a European artist. Was, they started bringing in some American artists. And that's the ones that were kind of, you know. But... It was, again, everything was post-apocalyptic in these books. Yep. And the radiation. There's a radiation fallout because we grew up in the Cold War and that was the big thing. Oh, yeah. And it was like Caligula in the post-apocalyptic world. And the guy's like wearing nothing but um, a leather G-string, you know, with the harnesses and stuff. And he has, um, it looks like an Egyptian-style concubine with him. And she looks, she's attractive, but she looks dead inside. And there's some woman walking around with nothing but just a brief, you know, mm-hmm. underneath. Nothing else. And she looked kind of like um, Aeon Flux, that character. Oh, uh, yeah. Aeon yeah, Flux, yep. Yeah. Almost bare naked and white. And, uh, I mean, pale white. Anyway, this Caligula kind of emperor is trying to you know, snagger, and she's just indifferent and trying to get away. The concubine's upset, and he's saying she's barren because of the radiation and this and that, and she kills herself because she's upset he's got this other woman. And the other he's, the other woman's warning him, so she finally takes her stuff off. She has a penis. Yeah. So it's really weird, you know, you're kidding, what? <laughs> and I'm looking at this, and she's just standing there, and the guy says, this damn radiation has affected everything. And then he takes the woman, lifts her up above his head. They're in a, a, a castle tower. He throws her out in this barren ward. So at the end of it, she's laying there all broken. And then she she looks at the reader and goes, Isn't it a bitch? And that was the end of the story. You know, okay. Um, I mean, some of the stories are incredible. It had some Mobius stories and, and different stuff that were great, but... I read Mobius say at one point in an interview that he found heavy metal idiotic. Yeah. And he said, Yep. In, in France, Metal, metal Herlant, which he created with David, with Cause and those other guys. Yeah, Metal Herlant. Oh, yeah. yeah. He said they had a. Um, Far superior. Well, they had a, a philosophy. Mm-hmm. He says, whereas heavy metal, it was just nothing but a catalog. Yep. Saying that. 
it was a window to greatness. That's where we discovered Mobius and J.C. Maziers and, you know. Yeah. Um, there was, that's one thing that I can say with heavy metal, and I have a bunch of heavy metal books uh, yeah. from a collection that uh, I procured somewhere. I don't even remember where precisely. But I can't. I can't sit down with a copy of Heavy Metal and be like, all right, let's do some great reading. Because it's not. It's not great reading. It's like, okay, good story here. Crap, yeah. crap, crap. Good story in the end. Yeah. <laughs> or like mediocre story. It, it could be hodgepodge. And yeah. I, there was a period, and I don't know if it's because I was on the ship and you're just desperate for anything, but the ship sold National Lampoon and they showed Heavy Metal. Mm-hmm. And everybody had them. And they also showed... Um, Sold Penthouse, uh, Playboy, you know, all that stuff, of course. It's a ship full of men. But those four magazines were always around. Oh, I'm sure. And there was a period in 84 where, I don't know, I just thought heavy metal could do no wrong. They were popping. They always had stuff I didn't care for, but coming back on it, I'm older. Some of those stories I didn't really care for. There was one called Man from Harlan, which I didn't read. Now I look back on it, it was incredible. Mm. And um, that's the thing. They'd serialize these stories. Some of these stories seem like if they put them all together, it would be like 16 phone books. Mm-hmm. And you kind of find out some small graphic novel. We only put like three pages at a time every month. They just go on forever. But they were great. And they also had um, good articles about movies and music. And, you know, Matt Howarth even had... Um, a comic strip that was music reviews, which called Rap, which I really liked. But, I don't know, a lot of times, heavy metal, half of it was just garbage, like, you know, we were just talking about. Yeah. Nevertheless, everybody had heavy metal, and the European artists just, that's where everybody discovered them, and it, it changed everything. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing for me, <clears throat> I remember, I remember running across heavy metal, probably in like a, a bookstore or something like that. And it was in the magazine racks. It wasn't by the comic books. It was in the magazine stuff, right next to like the different music magazines and stuff. Yeah. And I don't think they knew what the heck to do with it, you know. <laughs> um, I remember paging through magazines and being like, okay, you know, bands, bands, bands. All right, next one. Uh, this is called heavy metal. I love metal music, you know. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like a teenager. I'm like, I don't know, 14 or yeah. something, 15. And I opened it up, and I'm like, this is a comic? Ooh. And, like, you know, this this was the comic that you could not try and convince your parents to buy for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. That was something you had to, like, get up to the bookstore and get yourself while you're out with your buddies. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, at a party one night, I remember walking past the TV, and they were playing the original heavy metal movie. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking, and I'm like, what's that? And somebody's like, oh, this is a movie called Heavy Metal. You've never seen it? This is amazing. I'm like, you mean like the comic magazine? And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> this whole, like, there was this whole like interaction of like, okay, wait a minute. They made a movie? Wait, they made a comic book? And, uh, so, That's so yeah. weird. People wouldn't know the book. That, when that movie came out, that was big news because they had preliminary stuff. Everybody's seen it. I remember. Um, oh well, you gotta you gotta figure it came out years prior. So yeah, for yeah, uh, for yeah, us I, as teenagers, we right. were discovering this stuff and we were like, oh my goodness. Well, I remember um, that summer was coming out. 
one of the guys I, wor- I was at my old job uh, between years in college for the summer. One of the guys I worked with said, uh, I just drove to Texas and uh, the radio station was playing um, the new heavy metal album, you know, for the movie that's coming yeah. out. Really? And yeah, it's pretty good. He's talking about, you know, the different artists. I remember Don Filder from the Eagles did a song or two. Mm-hmm. And they said, Devo has two songs. You got to understand that at the time, Devo, all those bands, they were completely opposite of anything everybody listened to. Everybody wanted the old rock bands. And Devo was the antichrist of weirdness. And, um, <laughs> you know, and they were saying, um, yeah, there's a couple of songs. I, they weren't bad, I mean, really. And uh, then later, Heavy Metal put out an issue and they had all this, again, all this preliminary drawing stuff by Howard Chaykin from the movie. And Okay. Um, I saw that movie three times. And I went to see it by myself when it first came out. And the theater was crowded. It was one of those where they had three different screens. And I was sitting down, crowded house, but there's two seats next to me and these two drunk women came in and they're they're like my mom's age. And they sit next to me and they basically focus on me the whole time. They're uncomfortable because they saw a movie and they snuck into this one. Mm, yeah. And so they're uncomfortable. They keep looking at me and I'm trying to watch the movie. And they, they keep pestering me and making comments. What is this we're watching? And again, they're guilty that they're not supposed to be doing this. <laughs> I don't care. You know, I don't work for the theater. Let me enjoy the movie. And then when that... I can't remember the one. Um, there was supposed to be that story from a heavy metal called So Beautiful, So Dangerous. I think that was the name of the, the piece. But it's a female reporter, and she meets a robot, a little robot. And then at one point, it switches, and it shows them laying in bed next to each other. Ah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when she says something, that was incredible. And the little robot sticks his index finger out, and it starts spinning. <laughs> yeah. And those women are looking at me and just, <gasps> again, my mom's age, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, just go away. <laughs> and um, so I just spoiled it. Anyway, I saw it with two guys I worked with, and we were... <laughs> and I'll tell you. It was the most incredible movie I think I'd ever seen. Because I was telling these guys who went to see it. And I said, it's not it's not really good. I saw it. Well, let's go anyway. Okay. And when they're showing those guys with the, like the mine detectors. And they're going to ground when the thing landed. Yep. And those creatures are growing up and grabbing them or bringing them back to the ground. The most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm like, wow, why did I think? And we were, we were laughing. And he goes, you what do you say it was bad? It was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. This is one of the greatest movies I ever saw. And it got it, ruined for you the first time. Well, then I saw it again down in Abilene, Texas. They had the dollar movies. And my one of my best friends wanted to see. He hadn't seen it yet. So we went. Well, it was just as mundane as the first time I saw it without the drunk women. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you, you, know, it's, you know what's funny is... I don't remember the first time I sat and watched the whole dang thing, but it just, heavy metal holds up even now, even now heavy metal holds up, but you know, let's jump back for a second to this book, uh, Kaya, you know, absolutely very, very much anime 
like classic anime. Uh, I mean, like, look at the robot on this cover. Issue number eight. Not a robot. He's the he's the king of the. What are, he's okay, the so this is her. this is a guy in armor. The armor is very classic anime style. Astro Boy, um, Gundam, you know, esque looking thing. Uh, beautiful book, beautiful book. Oh, he is a robot. I'm sorry, Rook. That's what the machines have to destroy all the humans. Ah, okay. I forgot. So thanks for bringing oh, up the right. key element. That I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, if you look at his character, the design of this character, like I said, just absolutely Astro Boy, uh, Gundam esque, and I mean, you can see the Kirby influence in it as well. I mean, you know, the big, the big he- headpiece set. Yeah. You know, the Galactus esque headpiece. You know, it hits on all kinds of great nostalgic looks in this book. So yeah, yeah that, I agree. That's a great book. I dig it, man. I love this book. No, as far as the heavy metal thing, they were supposed to do a second movie. They did. What is it? Heavy Metal Two Thousand. Oh, okay, I got you. Well, back in nineteen eighty one, I'm sorry, nineteen eighty two, I saw Howard Chaykin in Dallas, Texas at a convention. He worked on the first movie, and they were wanting to put Cody Starbuck in the second movie. That was one of his characters. Right. And um, in a panel he was talking about, it and they were asking him, and he said he wanted to have more involvement. And I guess he kept talking about Bernie Wrightson had that um, piece in the first movie, Captain Stern. Yeah. And uh, in that one, some of those things... But well, the way the movie started with that Corvette that came out of the plane and landed, yep. that was like a three-page story in heavy metal, and it was incredible. The the the, the magazine, because it was really tight technical drawings yeah. and airbrushed, and it was slick, and it's basically just a a Corvette that comes out of a plane and parachutes down, and the guy gets he was wearing a spacesuit and yep. drives it off. That was it. But the artwork was just so pristine. Anyway, it opened with that. Some of that stuff in that movie, it's like they took parts of the stories from Heavy Metal, but they weren't really quite right. And yeah. Well, I think it was the original attempt was to kind of make an, like, an amalgamated yeah. movie using some of the pieces from the different storylines. Right. You know, at, I mean, it was successful. It definitely drew mm. Heavy Metal to people's attention um you know but as far as like quality you know mm-hmm. when you look at something uh metal herlant way above heavy metal oh, yeah. you know just absolutely great great stuff they um i remember the the guy i worked for at the time he uh, he went to see it the same weekend i did and we the cover the the poster was tarna you know, the lady out flying the, yep. the dinosaur. And that wasn't in the, the magazine. That was something they did for the movie. And I was thinking, I don't know, it was kind of, to me, a waste. There wasn't really any story. They wiped out her people, and then it says, it says something about peace, but after peace is revenge. Mm-hmm. What was it? You know, again, I'm even though I love Lone Wolf and Cub, I, I don't really like revenge stories except yeah. that one. Yeah. And uh, to me, there was no point. I remember I, I came to work, and I was my boss and I were both working these drafting tables, and he said something about, 
I don't know why she did that or people are gone anywhere. What's the point? Uh, yeah, it's one well, anyway. But Howard Chaykin was talking about the Captain Stern. He said it looked like the comic. What the comic was incredible. And he said it was faithful to it. So I guess he was talking about he was going to be involved with the Cody Starbucks segment. Mm-hmm. Well, that's neat. Well, then that was, what, 82? And in 2000, they put out Heavy Metal. I don't know if Cody Starbucks uh, was in it. Original Heavy Metal was 81, I think. I'm talking about Howard Shagan was talking oh, about Oh, Shagan. Okay, Shagan yeah. was talking about it in 82. It was in 81. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. It At the time, it was something unique. But it wasn't perfect to me. Yeah. But nevertheless, heavy metal was a window. I I had stacks and stacks and stacks of those things, and sometimes I wish I could find some of the cartoonists in it. There was one. I'm guessing it was a European cartoonist, but it was this kid that came in to show somebody his uh, his drawings. He had a stack of comic pages, and it was done in like a the close thing to say is like a Smurf Tin Tin, the clear line style they do in Europe. Yeah. And it was neat because all the, the rooms he was at, they had like model airplanes and some were flying around, little spaceships. But it was done in that style of like. Ends up, this older older cartoonist and this kid end up going to <laughs> Walt Disney Studios. Walt Disney is a big robot body, but I mean, <laughs> with... Um, with like a, a canister, a glass canister with his head floating in it. But when I say robot body, it was a robotic body in, in clothes, you know, mm-hmm. a yeah. sh- suit and tie. Yep. And it was kind of a big thuggish body with his head, and he was nasty. Yeah. And I guess, I can't remember what the whole thing, I'm butchering this whole story, but I guess... They showed, they had old black and white photos of him in the war. And it was funny because it was Walt, you know, drawings of Walt Disney. But he's like in France, standing there smoking a cigarette with a machine gun in some room. And there's like this naked French whore, you know, laying in the bed, you know, passed out. It's stuff that would destroy most politicians' careers. Mm-hmm. And they said, you can't get us because we have this. Anyway, they, they let them go. And somebody said to the Walt Disney <laughs> floating head robot things, well, why did you let him go? And they said, couldn't you imagine getting caught, you know, um, tormenting a kid? This is something that Max and Dave Fleischer would animate. <laughs> you know, the guys who did Popeye. And I yeah. thought, this is brilliant. I would love to have it. It was just a complete story. I don't know if the guy did anymore. I Sometimes I try to find it. It was there were little gems like that all all over the place. And there were some that made no sense that I liked anyway. One was by some Dutch artist that... It seemed like there were the whole city underground. There was a series of them. Yeah. And I was like, what? That's one thing that they did do really well, is they did do, like, pickups of, like, prior storylines and future issues. Yeah. You'd go, like, two, three issues, though, before, <laughs> like, you know, the storyline would pick up. Yeah. I think it took them a while to realize that people would like continued storylines in the in the magazine yeah yeah they they always had series and they had like i said the series just seemed to last forever mm-hmm. um but um and they had a what was it um the bus what was that guy's name um he, he had one name 
There's a character on... Uh... No, the cartoonist. Well, it was a character. The It was a city bus. It was called a bus. It was kind of surreal. It was always one page. I think sometimes even half a page. Per one or something. With the cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just like, yeah. Okay, I remember. God, I can't think of what the heck the character's name. Oh, my God. Well, it was a cartoonist. Now. It was a cartoonist. Kirshner. Kirshner, I think. It's Kerwan, Kirshner, something. Anyway, it'll be on the blog. But the the character besides the bus was the character. But there was a man, like, wearing an overcoat, a bald man with glasses. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't see his eyes. It was just glasses. But it was just those two things in the city. And I remember uh, my buddy, you know, my buddy Britt, we were talking about it. He goes, the bus is something. It just how he put that together and how it it was surreal all mm-hmm. the time it was always an optical design mind game yeah and there was stuff like that in it but there was another one called uh, space opera I don't know It that one it went on forever and it never made sense later the guy starts tying Star Wars in it the guy yeah. started out as a janitor he was like a his head was a black face with spiky hair it was all black like and he, he had eyes. And he's working as a janitor. The story made sense. He's talking to some girl that wanted to be a, a high-end fashion model, but she was, mm, I think, I a junkie. <laughs> I don't recall this one offhand. It was it was a painted strip. Yeah. And sometimes kind of photo collage. Anyway, I remember it went on, and later he had Yoda in it, and he was dressed as a stormtrooper. And, um... Another friend of mine said something about space opera. I think it's called space opera. It says it just goes on forever with no point. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you read them all at once. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Heavy metal. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's take a quick music break, and we're going to be right back. Sounds good.
You can hear our most recent 20 episodes on iTunes. If you would like to hear our older episodes, you can find them on our blog. Just go to bunchofdorks.com and click Click on the Cyclops. Your Dimension can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe, rate, leave a review, tell a friend, or like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. And that was our very own Dallas with his song, Jenny Don't. You can find that streaming all over the internet at Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. Uh, We'll, of course, have that uh, link up on our blog. Check that out. Song-making machine. Song-making machine. Yep. So, Don, I gotta talk to you about a creator that has been brought to my attention thanks to some books sent to me off of a, off of Kickstarter. The so the first book is Twiggy of the Bog. Okay, this is from Super Serious Comics. Uh, the creator is Morgan Quaid. The art, the artwork on this is d- done by Christina uh, Sarit. Uh, this first book is just this weird, wild. So this is Twiggy. He's this odd-looking little character, you know, uh, doing his little intro, like, "Oh, this is what we're doing," and then he gets bashed on the head by this by this ogre. It, it's it's a fun, tongue-in-cheek um, adventure story. Where one of the characters is, the main character, basically comes off as kind of an incompetent boob who will just fall for anything that's brought his way. Uh, he eats this seed thing from this hobo wizard, and he ends up growing a mouth. This growth comes onto his arm, and it talks, and it has a mouth, and it develops an eye, and everything. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a it's just a fun tongue in cheek book uh, called, like I said, called Twiggy of the Bog uh, by Morgan Quaid of Super Serious Comics. Artwork is fantastic. I love the character designs. Uh, Twiggy's big giant head and little stick appendages. You know. Uh, you can see totally why the character is called Twiggy. I mean, right. like, look at the size of them. And why are the blue people 
What? What? Why do they have him? Uh, so they seem to be traveling together. They're oh. just, you know, they're they're they're. T- <laughs> so in in his intro here that he does on the first panels, Twiggy goes into this whole thing about like, you know, ah, uh, you know, we're traveling across treacherous paths towards the get you know, carrying on and on about like all this different stuff, and then you find out from the ogre that smacks him in the head that they're they're just. Uh, they're ferrying cow cow manure for farmers. They're not doing this grand adventure that oh. Twiggy's trying to, you know, portray to to the audience in in this panel where he's breaking the fourth wall. Uh, character designs are weird, odd, fun. Uh, the hobo wizard I get a kick out of. I'm only assuming that that is a puddle of pee underneath the hobo wizard. Yeah. That's what I, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like <laughs> you know. And then later on in the book, we're introduced to another character who's even smaller than Twiggy, uh, who seems very, like, adamant about, like, she's an adventurer and, you know, she's Hmm. she's a defender and, you know. All in pink with rosy cheeks, like a little doll. Yeah. Uh, It's it's the first issue that got uh, passed to me off of a Kickstarter bundle. Uh, Just absolutely fun. But then going through reading more books... I come across another book called Shadow's Daughter. Again, super serious comic books. Morgan Quaid, again. Turns out that Morgan Quaid, uh, his publishing is super serious comics. That's that's his thing. Uh, Shadow's Daughter is a very interesting book, in my opinion. Beautiful artwork. Uh, the start The start out goes kind of tells like basically the story of the world you're about to enter and all the strange things that have happened with people having powers magic powers turning into like wolves and werewolves and and vampires and things like that and then we're introduced to our main character uh talking about how she was she's um i forget how they how he calls it exactly a shadow mancer or shadow uh but she, her magic is that she controls shadow, which apparently is very, very rare in this world. Makes her super special. But then you get into the actual art of the book, and it's this beautiful anime-style artwork. Yeah. Uh, the story reads really well. Uh, very, very much again adventure, adventure-esque um, storyline, but set in a more modern tone. Uh, you know. Uh, Riding motorcycle, you know, like I said, very modern in, in its styling. Of it's basically, it's basically the world. Something happened, and all these people now have these abilities, these magic, or they turn into werewolves or vampires or other other wild things. Again, like I said, the artwork on this is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the artist on this particular book uh, is Rain Art Studios, and uh, for the artwork. Uh, pencils and inks done by Verand, uh, Francisca D. Ali. Oh God, I'm horrible at pronouncing names. You all know that. Uh, but it's you know it's a fun book, and it it's throughout the course of the story, our main character, the Shadow's daughter, is basically finding out that she is she's investigating. She works for uh, some kind of—I um, forget what the what it's exactly called, 
but she's an officer and she like she walks into this club and she's like i can spot like half a dozen parole violations in this pack and then she comes across uh another character that gives her an assignment they're obviously not friends from the interactions between them uh but she's given this assignment to hunt down an individual with this unusual tattoo and so she goes to work on getting that done and she interrogates a tattoo artist who gives her location and everything but you get to see her powers her her magic uh manifest in this shadowy form uh creating weapon trees and stuff like that you know it shows her interacting with all these various characters throughout the book you know and like she makes this shadow sculpture of a pegasus that a character keeps in a jar and then he invites her downstairs and, you know, gives her access to this underground world that's happening. Uh, fantastic character designs and story. And it, it just, it flows so easy as you read through this book. Her inner monologues and everything, her interactions. Uh, this character trying to sell her uh, some stuff. And uh, you get to the next page and... Poor little guy. Ain't no way I'm eating his egg sack. It's like, wait, what? He's trying to sell you his egg sacks to eat? (laughs) And then there's a... This creature gives her a prophecy. Uh, It's fantastic. It is neat. And fun. And I mean, the style of the artwork, the anime style, is just absolutely beautiful. Um, And, you know, that says a lot for me because I'm not... A lot. I'm not heavy into this anime style. Yeah. It's not really my gig, but the art in this particular book is fantastic. Uh, when I went looking into it a little bit more, I come to find out that Morgan Quaid is actually quite the prolific writer. Uh, comic books, novels, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, it's it's fascinating to see how much work you know. I would never have... Morgan Quaid and Super Serious Comics would never have come across my consciousness if it wasn't for another artist, another creator, bringing him to my attention. Uh, And I I believe this is actually thanks to Lori over uh, with Path of the Pale Rider that I got this uh, sent over to me. Hmm. Uh, You know, very fun book. I don't know where the shadow's daughter sits as far as number of issues at the moment but it's it's this first issue's got me got me good uh i'm really looking forward to trying to hunt down more of this uh, i literally read this this morning over morning coffee <laughs> <laughs> i literally read this over morning oh coffee. you seem really familiar with it yeah well yeah because like i said yeah. it's been just a couple of hours yeah. so but it's i mean just I'm fascinated by how different the two styles are, but yet very similar in their adventuresque style. Yeah, it's it's got that medieval looking fantasy thing. Yeah, uh, Twiggy of the Bog, compared to Shadow's Daughter, it's a very different story, very different time and setting and everything. But it still has that great adventure feeling when you're reading these books. And, you know, it's... It's a lot of fun. Twiggy is a little, a little too tongue in cheek, a little too uh, comedic 
for for me and some of the points. But it's it's a fun book, and I, you know, I definitely I come across that book. I'm definitely not going to put it put it down. I'm gonna right. I'm gonna read it. Shadow's Daughter, you know, like I said, for a book that doesn't exactly fall into my art style that I that I right. lean towards. I think it's a great book. It's fantastic. Uh, like I said, this is um, Morgan Quaid, super serious comics. Uh, I definitely would suggest checking checking out uh, some of the work. Uh, Morgan Quaid on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, we'll have some links on the blog for you guys to check out uh, the work. Uh, Australian. Oh well. Wow. Yeah, you know. Once again, another thing that I love about the way that comic the comics are these days with writers, artists, creatives, all kind of coming together, you know, through the power of the internet. This is what the internet's for. This is, you know, finding, you know, there's no way here in the U.S. that an Australian or French or, you know, uh, somebody would would get published and put on racks down here, mm. you know. So it's uh, it's great to have this connection and availability to be able to find different books like this. The, the second one you're talking about, I just want to point out when we're saying um, it's an anime manga style, it's um, it's influenced, but it's it's, an, it's an American style. It's not some some artists really painstakingly try to copy manga yes you know? they do this is full color yeah but you can see the anime the manga it's an influence, influence. it's a heavily i see heavy it too. heavy influence but it's it's their own style i mm-hmm. mean it's it's a it's unique um twiggy when i first saw the character the first thing You've seen those where they take like a really cartoon body, a little body, and they paste somebody's giant head on it. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a real looking head, which is something I never really liked. But this one is drawn, and it's the character, and it's not a pasted face. It's drawn in there, and it's at all angles. He's really expressive and all that. And yep. First I saw the character and hated it, and it's, you thumb through the, the books. Now, the blue monster people are awesome. Uh, when I first saw it, that's why I asked what they're doing, because I thought they captured him was going to eat him. And I said, no, he's not captured. He's They're all traveling together. Yeah. But it's awkward and really awesome all at once. Um, but, yeah, and then when you, you have the that wizard, which... Yeah, the, uh, the hobo wizard is yeah. just... <laughs> I'm telling you. And I, he I, looks I, crazed. He looks like he's deranged. He looks like the crazy old man that walked out of the, out of like mm. you know the alleyway and he wants to tell you about tinfoil hats. And right. <laughs> he's got a boot on his head. You yeah. Know, yeah. 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 Very vermin supreme. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you know the interaction between uh, I, I'm I'm gonna call them ogres or trolls. I'm not sure. Uh, but the interaction between the two different, those two different creatures and Twiggy, one of them is very loving towards him and everything, and mm-hmm. the other one it just it seems like she cannot stand him. Yeah, just, that's the one you I know, keep cracks him in the head with a club, and is just like, "Shut up," <laughs> you know. And the other one's like, "Oh, hugs." Tries, gives him a hug, and he's like, "Too hard, too hard, and can't breathe." <laughs> See, I didn't catch that. All I saw, I, I saw him roughing him up, but I didn't realize one was loving him too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which can be rough at the same time. Yeah, that's that's really they're unique. Yeah, very unique character designs and styles in Twiggy. You know, uh, just 
it, it's a fun book. This is a book that you read because you're like, man, I need to like zone and have yeah. some fun and just enjoy for a minute. Right. You know, where Shadow's Daughter, that's more of a okay. There's something something here that's very serious and dark, and we're gonna, yeah. you know, as we read through this, we're gonna figure this out together. <laughs> you know. How far along are these books? Do they just have one issue each? Or so this is just the first issue. Um, this is something I've seen done quite a few times now with different Kickstarters where. Uh, other creators will ha- will send out the first issue of their book bundled as a stretch goal mm. for someone's Kickstarter. Um, at, at the very least, there's six plus issues to Shadow's Daughter. Uh, Twiggy of the Bog, I don't know. Um, I have not gone hunting for that just yet. Um, but yeah, Shadow's Daughter appears to have, uh, at, at minimum six issues. Wow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It, it's really, it's really wild, you know, and I just, I get such, you, you find such amazing books just off of these stretch goal bundles, yeah. you yeah. know, um, there's so many of them. I mean, I've got, I've got just... Dozens and dozens of different books that I need to sit down and really start reading through and checking out. Um, there's a another particular one that I read uh, last night. Angelica Reigns uh, starts out not very explanatory in the regards of why the characters have magic, uh, but you, you 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 understand as you read through the first issue. Uh, first issue, they do a, a blood sacrifice, you know, ooh, all that. Uh, and then you could switch over to the character as she's trying to get ready, and she's just a bumbling mess. So she's just like, meh, I'm going to use magic. I'm dressed. I'm out the door. <laughs> but this this, this oh, city nice. walk scene yeah, right here, this really one panel nice. right there, that is just absolute, I mean, the detail yeah. in that. It's it's everything is balanced. It's it brings you in the story. You yeah. feel like you're walking there. It's nicely styled, colors, everything on it. This is something. A lot of times when you find comics, you know, I'm talking about printed matter. It was always you find it in the cutout rack, or you find it on the wall uh-huh. and it catches your eye, or or your friend. Sometimes you're at your friend's place and you hey, what's this? You know, yeah. um, sometimes people give when I was a kid. People that want the comics and where you come in and have a pile of comics and you, you discover something. And I was wondering about digital comics because, and this, see, not just digital comics, most comics people buy now, they're buying certain hot comics and they don't veer from it. You're you right, know? right. And, and there's nothing wrong with that if you like it, but it seems to me like something was lost because before. Everybody had a pile of comics, and sometimes they had what people would call garbage. Yeah. You know, I mean, just stuff that wasn't, maybe wasn't that good or wasn't that popular. Saying that, sometimes those are the books that just illuminate your whole childhood. Yeah. But oh, yeah. When I'm, you're talking about this, I think that's awesome. You discovered these books because somebody just threw in a bundle and sent them to you. And I mean, when you're talking, you're talking, except usually. Usually, Rook is like this. Yeah, I read this book. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I read yeah, this book. It yeah, sucked. It's mm, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> you're not like well, that. Well, you know, the 
what's funny is is I jump on I jump on some of the more popular uh, Kickstarters as well, stuff that hits the home the, the head page. Yeah. Like this particular book is called uh, uh, Control Plus uh, I don't, Control Plus Z Control Z. Um, but this is a book that was really really getting a lot of attention on Kickstarter. Uh, Chris Moses is the writer. Ricardo. Cassesi, oh wow, I'm I'm horrible. I'm, a, I'm I suck. Sorry, everybody. We need Dallas uh, on the show. But <laughs> I mean, the design. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a this is actually a comic I have not had a chance to sit down and read. Ooh, wow. Yeah, wow, I love that page. Yeah, the 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 way that the architecture looks and the yeah, paging, and it shows the, the sequence of. I jumping. think this is something you'd really enjoy. Very Mobius, uh, or, or like. A more yeah, modern yeah. style of, of Mobius style art in the in the way it looks and everything. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, I've not had a chance to sit down and read this one. I was hoping to get this read before we sat down together today, but just looking at this alone. Oh, even that, it's, oh. that's a stark contrast. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh yeah, absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous work in this book. Uh, I and unfortunately I can't speak anything about the story because, right. like I said, I haven't. Haven't read it yet, but this was another one that I, I kept seeing on the homepage of Kickstarter. I kept mm. seeing other people who I've backed before backing this book and everything, and I was just like, you know what, we're gonna have to give this a try because I mean, this is this looks awesome. And then I back it, and I saw like three other people that I know back it <laughs> within like twenty four hours. I was like, okay, we're all in on this right. one. Okay. So Yeah, that one's sweet. They're all sweet, but that one Yeah, that, to me. that one really I think is is very wow. your style and, and the way it looks and everything. Wow. Uh you know and you know, let me take a second here to talk uh Kickstarter. One one thing that uh, a lot of people don't understand is how important the surveys are at the end of a end of a campaign. Mm-hmm. At the end uh you end up with a survey, and sometimes the survey asks a couple of questions about, you know, how'd you find it, da, 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 da. Right. Mostly the survey is just something simplistic as, where would you like us to mail your stuff or email right. your stuff? Right. Do you know how often I see creators on there, like, begging people to finish their surveys? It's ridiculous. I mean, y'all, if you're, if you're up on Kickstarter like I am, it literally takes two minutes or less to finish one of those surveys. And you're holding up the works for a lot of other people by not finishing them. Please, please, finish your surveys. I, I could, yeah, I, would, I can't. If I start something, I have to finish it no matter what it is. But at the same time, I could see where you're doing it. Well, it doesn't really matter, you know, and go on, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's... It, so, like, one particular creator was talking about, you know, please, you know, we've got some outstanding surveys, money's not released until the surveys are done, da da da, da things like that. You know, it, it takes you, you know, you already took the effort to back this project because you looked at it and went, this looks cool, I believe in it. Hmm. So, believe in it a little bit longer and finish your freaking survey! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know it's such an idiotic thing, but like I've got, I've got one Kickstarter that literally, the creator is on hold waiting for surveys. Oh wow! And has sent out a message, you know, requesting people please, you know, just 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 get this done. I never thought of that. I mean, I never really gave saying that yeah. it, when when you're at work, 
and they have an employee surveying, that's a big thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it. And after they do the surveys, my favorite thing in the whole planet was to get to sit there with the, the people in charge as they go through all the points that people complain about. I, I'm telling you, you know. Uh, it's... But they, they are, because they, even though it doesn't seem like it, sometimes they do make big changes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, at, at the moment, man, I've just got, I've got so many books to be digging through thanks to the stretch goal bundling uh uh from kickstarter you know mm. it's it's a lot of fun having this many books sitting around waiting to be read but it's also like ah, i gotta get these you know i want to read these i want to right. read these that's you a know? good problem to have i still remember before we started doing the show in my my area i live in all the comic stores disappeared but when i would pick one up uh, when the shop started open again i would come home jump on the couch and I'd have these things read just almost immediately. And I thought, I wish we had more. I wish there was more. Anyway, we started doing the show and digging through com- dollar boxes, stores are everywhere, people send books in. I have piles of books. I've never had this issue since I was a kid where I have more stuff than I can keep up to read. Yeah. But I think that's heaven. Yeah, I think it's because when we were younger, we were like... Getting a new comic book was like, yes, yeah. new comic. Now we're adults and it's just like, okay, I got work, I got to clean the house, I got to mm-hmm. mow the lawn. Oh, man, I got this stack of comics. I don't have time right now. <laughs> I've never yeah. had that issue. I remember when I was in the Navy, I went home. And I was at the comic store I always frequented. And there was a guy that came in. He was wearing a suit. And he came in and he bought a stack. This is when Secret Wars was coming out. Mm-hmm. And he said, um... He, he was talking to the, the owner. He, this guy drove a nice car. He was a professional. And he got out and says, uh, all right. He got a stack of comics. I, I haven't had time to read the, any of them, even the yeah. last ones. And I'm sitting there, what? Because even then, and that's when the early 80s, when that was my favorite time. Comics were just loving Rockets, Mr. X, all this stuff. Yeah. Dal was coming out. Heck yeah. It was heaven to me. And uh, but I was always going to the comic store to buy more because I had them all read and needed more. And when the guy left, I said, "What does he mean he doesn't have time?" Well, he's got kids, he's got a job. Well, I didn't have kids, but I had a job. You know, I lived on the job. Yeah. And I thought, how is that possible? Well, I understand sometimes you're just so busy, but I, I've never been so busy I can't read some comics. I mean. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. Well, like with me, I've got so many different things going on between mm. D&D, painting miniatures, work, you know. The days where I get time alone, where I can sit mm. and read my books, those are precious. Those are so yeah. precious to me, you know. I do it's, agree with that. But yet, then, then again, here I am, like, um, I'm going up to Denver in September. Oh, yeah. And I cannot wait to go to Mile High Comics huh? and Mutiny Cafe. I don't know of any other comic book shops off the top of my head in Denver, but those are the two places that I want to go. Yeah. And I made jokes because we're going up there for a convention for a friend's metaphysical shop. So they're very much focused on, on dealing with that stuff. And my thought was, well, I'll just go to the comic book shop while you guys are at the convention. And, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott Connor, he was always talking. He, his job was supposed to send him there for, I guess, a conference or something in Denver. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's talking... They ended up not doing that. But he was so excited to go to Mile High Comics. Yeah. And he sent me videos of the place. That Mile High, the whole time I was reading comics, they always had an ad in the right. classifieds and marvels. Yep. 
And uh, I didn't know what it was. And then um, back when all the stores were gone here, I was talking to a friend of mine from Texas. And he was saying uh, he was in California at the time, but he moved to, I don't know where he moved, but they didn't have a comic store. And he said he was going to get a service like Mile High Comics. Yeah. But I've always found when you try to order from them, real expensive. Really? Well, I mean, the stuff I've seen, I've, I can find it cheaper somewhere else. But Scott would send me videos of the store. <laughs> it's, it's unfathomable. Oh, yeah. Mm. it's Well, and what's funny is, <clears throat> so my wife has been doing this trip for, I think this is year three. And the first time she went, she goes, we saw this store and it had a giant Millennium Falcon out front. You would have thought it was so cool. I don't know what the store was. I was like, that's my hot comics. <laughs> and she's like, how do you know that? You don't even, you've never even been. And I'm like, I don't need to think I know where I'm going. You know? Well, it's the Mecca. Yeah. It's well, the and, Mecca. And well, Mutiny Cafe is on my list of places to go. Thanks to R. Allen Brooks. If everybody remembers R. Allen, um, yeah. He wrote a lot of great stuff. Grieving Mall, um, Burning Metronome, uh, episode 307. Go back, listen to it. Great, great conversation. Uh, it's thanks to him that I'm seeing these different places that I want to check out while I'm yeah. in Denver. I'm really looking forward to, to that trip. But, you know, it's so funny because, like, I know I'm going to go to Denver and I'm going to end up buying books and then... If I don't have time to read them in Denver, they're going to come back here and they're going to get set, out, set on a shelf and it's like going to be okay. When do I have time? When do I have time? It's either that or I'm going to I'm going to read all of them within the first 15 minutes of the plane ride home. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it works too. Um, saying that, I got stacks of dollar books that in the bedroom. Just I, thought, I need to read these. I usually I read the new books and then I start reading prose books. But yeah. I say, yeah, I, I got some of these. I forgot about this. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. To me, it's a good problem to have because... It's a great problem to for have. A long, for a long time, there was no shops around here. Yep. And I would buy tons. And I go, it's, it's the weird thing. When I went on vacation before, it was to find shops and find stuff you couldn't get here. Right. Now, I don't have any issue. And if I can't find it here, I can order it online. You know, that's a wonderful thing. I know. It's a great thing. But it doesn't beat going somewhere knowing that a particular artist or writer is from that area. Oh, yeah. You know, like take Sidekick for Hire. I literally found that book in a local Atlanta comic book shop. Picked it up and was like, this is really cool. And then as if the internet listens as you speak, because it freaks me out that it does this. The final issue of the book shows up on the Kickstarter front page one day. And I'm like, well, I've I've got the first one. Now I get to get the rest of them. <laughs> you know? And I mean, here I am sitting here with the with the sticker next to me Sweet. from the book. Well, that's, that's the thing, though. Now when I go on vacations, the past few I've taken, I didn't bother going to comic shops. Yeah. I mean, usually I'd write, you know, I'd, I'd look them up, I'd print them out, and, uh, or put them on my phone. But the last few I didn't. Uh, one, because my wife's with me. She's she's really good about it. But it's just not that imperative. Before it was a desperate thing. And now I think, well, I can find it online. And maybe I do like to go to shops because you find stuff that you don't see somewhere else. Yeah. They have a no, another characteristic to it. And when I do go, I always give them a button, you know, for the show. Yep. And they throw it in the trash after I leave. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I... 
I like doing that, but the past few times I just haven't bothered with it. Yeah. You know? So, but I, I will. If I was in Denver, I would be going to Mile High. Oh, I'm going to Mile High. I'm going to check out Mutiny. Um, I would like to go to Mutiny. Our too. Alan Brooks has uh, has uh, a piece in the art museum there. I'm going to try, mm. try and get everybody to go to the art museum with me as well. Uh, if not, I'll just disappear and go do my own thing. Denver's <laughs> <laughs> a nice city. I lived there for a while when I was a yeah. kid. I've never been back. Yeah, that's sweet. Well, speaking of comic books, we're going to end the show because i got a bunch of comic books I want to read. <laughs> you got it. It's good to see you again, man. Good to see you again, man. Let's do this more often in person. I agree. And listen, um, if you like to draw, we're always looking for free com- <laughs> free. I say that again. Ah. Fake comic book covers that we're asking you to do for no pay because we have no money. It's just a fun thing. Uh, we use it to announce a new episode on the Facebook page and the Facebook group. And if you'll allow us to, we'll add it to the cover gallery of the blog. A lot of people really like these. Uh, anything you do, I can reformat to fit the uh, dimensions of a fake cover. We're always looking for music to play in the music break. If you have anything on MP3, we'd be happy to play it. Um, sometimes it gets kind of sparse. Uh, and we also have t-shirts and sidebar of the blog to help us raise money for the hosting fees. Um, you can check them out. We've got three different designs. One one-sided, two two-sided. Listen to the show, wear the shirt. Everybody, go to our website, bunchdorks.com. Click on that Cyclops. You're going to find examples of everything we talked about this show along with all of our past episodes available for you. Until next time, everybody. Read, read more comics. comics.